AgBioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. This is AgBioscience. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agronovus Indiana, and this is the podcast where we explore all things AgBioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. A law signed by President Abraham Lincoln in 1862 created the cornerstone for America's leadership in engineering and agriculture. Known as the Morrill Act, uh, the law established land-grant institutions in states across the country, including Purdue University in Indiana. Since the university's launch in 1869, this is incredible, it's become a research powerhouse, becoming the only university in the country to have both a top 10 ranked college of agriculture and a top 10 ranked college of engineering. Its graduates include 27 astronauts, 16 presidents, National Medal of Science recipients, one just a few weeks ago, three World Food Prize laureates, two Nobel Prize winners, and the pace is just starting to quicken. Here to share more about the university, how it's building this momentum in research and science to create the economy of the future is Dr. Karen Plout. She's the Executive Vice President of Research at Purdue. She is an amazing friend, an amazing mentor. And a great partner to Agronovus. Dr. Plout, thanks for joining us on Ag Bioscience. It's great to be here today to talk to you. Well, I am looking forward to digging in, Karen. It has to be surreal to hear that string of incredible accomplishments from Purdue graduates, the impact they've made on the world through science and engineering, and know that you're now the, the new-ish Senior executive focused on research, leading this next chapter. The role is one. I mean, this is so fun. But as I went back and looked at your bio, this is a role that your entire career has been building you up for. Early studies in animal science, to work in cancer at NIH, to NASA, to your leadership at Michigan State prior to joining Purdue. You have to share more. Help us fill in the dots. Share more about this journey to becoming the leading research executive at one of the nation's top academic institutions. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate that. And first of all, I'm surprised I'm in this role too, <laughs> uh, just to be clear. But, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've had lots of opportunities. I uh, did my PhD at Cornell under really the leading uh, lactation biologist in the country. He was in the National Academy of Sciences and he's really a top uh, scientist. So I got a great start there and then was able to go to the NIH, to the National Cancer Institute, to work on breast cancer. So it gave me a, a broader perspective yeah. of what we're doing. And then I went to the University of Vermont and I had the opportunity to actually send some rats up on the space shuttle and study Amazing. lactation biology there. And that led to then actually a job at NASA where I was the lead scientist for the International Space Station Biological Research Project, which was lots of fun. Gave me a lot of opportunities and actually was probably instrumental in some ways because it allowed me to work with a variety of scientists and engineers and build kind of that type of leadership. I then was chair of two different departments, the University of Vermont and then uh, Michigan State, and then was lucky enough to come to Purdue. And in 2010, started at Purdue as the Associate Dean of Research, looking over really the portfolio for the College of Agriculture, then became Dean, and then somehow became the Executive Vice President for Research. I think it's clear to all of us, Karen, how you're in this job. And what I, I so admire about you and our work together is you've always pushed on this idea that innovation has to begin with a clear understanding of the problem. 
And it's something that as a senior research executive at Purdue, you're doing that every day. U.S. News and World Report just named Purdue one of the top 10 most innovative universities in the U.S. for the sixth consecutive year. Innovation at its core. Give us a sense. What are some of those world-changing innovations that the team at Purdue is pursuing? It's amazing the different types of things people are doing. We just have a new process for sensors in concrete. And Luna Liu, who started that project, was named one of the most innovative companies by Time Magazine. So in the top 10, so that you can, as people drive over the highway, uh, sense all sorts of things about road conditions and everything else. You add that to the new opportunity for electrification of the highway. So a truck drives by, it gets recharged on the drive-by. You don't stop or anything else. Those are some of the innovation. We have the white paint, which many people know about, the whitest white paint. Uh, that's getting lots of publicity because what it can do for sustainability. Sure. New drugs for cancer. So um, prostate cancer, a great new drug. And then actually innovations for drugs for malaria, uh, which are really exciting because the Lao, who is the most prolific person in developing drugs, just continues to think and innovate about new ways to save lives. And Mm. that's what he said to me the other day. He said, I've got to do more in my lab because I've got to save more lives. I mean, what? how fun. Yeah, right. We have new materials for buildings. So, I mean, you've heard about bridge collapses, road collapses. We have new materials that are going to prevent that in the future. So lots of really exciting types of science that we're doing. And then obviously in the transportation area, both air and on the ground, autonomous transportation. We know that that area continues to move forward and it's exciting. You've done an amazing amount of work, you, President Chang, President Daniels prior, on this idea of, I mean, really everything from ag to aerospace. I mean, y- you look at the research park just off campus and it really does cover everything, just that <laughs> ag to aerospace. How do you think about this? As, as the former dean of the College of Agriculture, you know, my belief is you might have a predisposition to some degree to all things ag, but how do you see these other areas? Aviation, aeronautics, defense, medicine. How do you see now all of these? Does it give you a different context for food and ag? It, it does. Um, but I do have to say you're right about the little soft spot for ag. I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said to me, your whole face lit up when you talked about agriculture. <laughs> so uh it's more apparent than a. a <laughs> You're not keeping the secret well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not keeping the secret well. I think in food and ag, we do a great job thinking about growing food and even sometimes the production. We don't think about some of the other things that are so important. So it's given me a broader context. You know, how are these changes in transportation, both on the road and in the air, going to change what we do? How does, you know, new technologies for detection of spoilage, cold storage, you look at all the logistics companies building the cold storage, how does that affect it? How does the microbiome affect it, which we certainly were doing in the College of Ag, but it's it's human health, it's animal health, it's plant health. So when you take that all together, what does it do? How does energy transform what we do? There's going to be new sources of energy. How does that transform our tractors, our equipment on the farm? Building structures are changing. And then I think very important is policy implications. Policies are changing, and how do they impact us? And we have people that research the impact of that 
policy. We look at the ag policies in ag, but it's much broader than that. And so it's really interesting to put food and ag in that bigger context of all the things that are changing and how it can revolutionize what we do. Yeah, without a doubt, the system of systems, food being at its core. We'll dig in more to that and what's ahead at Purdue University. We'll do it right after this quick 60-second break. Ag Bioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. Whether your farm is your business, your hobby, or your passion, you and your farm are one of a kind. Each is unique and requires just the right insurance coverage options. Indiana Farmers Insurance has been protecting farmers for more than 145 years. And together with your local independent insurance agent, today we deliver insurance solutions for your farm, business, home, and vehicles. Insurance can be complicated, so it's important to have a trusted expert who will guide you through your insurance experience. We partner with only the best agents. And like us, most of our agencies have been serving customers for generations. Beyond the basics, we have many other coverages available to match your needs. Our agency partners are experts and can tailor just the right coverages for your farm, business, home, or auto. Come visit us at indianafarmers.com and discover why Indiana Farmers Insurance is the right choice for you. We're proud supporters of Ag Bioscience, and we're here to help you protect what matters most. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. We're talking with Dr. Karen Plout. She's Executive Vice President for Research at Purdue University. Karen, I, I was just with a venture capitalist who affectionately called Purdue the MIT of the Midwest. Now, there were some other words tucked in there, but but he he was saying it with great affinity and he was shot. He was really, really excited about the talent and the innovation that's happening on campus and nearby with a research budget of more than half a billion dollars at Purdue. How do you prioritize where to focus this balance between research for new products and commercialization with research that really just advances science? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, Mitch. And the first thing I have to say is the budget is not really a budget. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that, the, the greater than half a billion, $613 million is external competitive funding. Okay. And the reason that's important is because people have submitted to the federal government, to an industry, and it has specific deliverables. So they have to respond to those deliverables. Unfortunately, I don't get to say, you do this, you do that. So there's a backlog of 613 is what <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing. There's, that's all committed. <laughs> yeah, it's all committed, <laughs> um, which is wonderful because it allows people to do the best science possible. It's not me picking it. Uh, it is experts in their field who are picking that science and saying, this is the best there is. And at Purdue, it's really nice to have that. And it's across many different agencies that we get funded. We also have a fair amount of funding from industry. But that doesn't get to your real question, which was about commercialization versus basic research. They're one and the same in some ways. Hmm. The difference is basic research is where it all starts. So what we do in basic research today may not be commercialized now, but in the future, it may be. And I think the COVID vaccines are a perfect example of that. You could not develop a a vaccine in the short time that it got developed if you had not done all the basic research Mm -hmm. behind it to understand how RNA works, how an RNA vaccine can put together. That then led to the COVID-19 vaccines that has a huge potential for animal agriculture, the types of vaccines you can develop in that area. So that it is 
created a new biological revolution, but it didn't happen overnight. So that's why I say it's kind of a pathway. Now, saying that, you want um, research in all aspects of the pathway. Some that are in that early stage doing basic work. We have, for example, we just awarded internal funds to somebody working on protein unfolding, really, really basic research. We think that that protein unfolding inside a cell may be the basis of many, many diseases. So you're not going to see anything now, but 10 or 20 years, that may be your commercialized drugs that make a big difference across many diseases. So that's why I say it. It's kind of a continuum. So you want at all times that basic research, so people doing those new innovations that in 20 years will make a difference. And then you also want people that are doing things that you can commercialize right now. And that line of commercialization right now, I think, you know, in most venture capitalists, it's whether people will pay for what you're doing. That's the bottom line. Uh, That's what makes it a marketable product right now. It's something somebody can use that makes a difference in, in their life or in their animal's life or for a plant or whatever. And so... We continue to want to make sure that our scientists realize there's that opportunity to make that impact. But the other part where we make an impact that I think is really interesting, so we hear about commercialization, but it's also behind the scenes. It's on policy. It's So I'll give you an example. I was yesterday at our group, a structural engineering group, and they've made some new designs for roads and bridges as well as big building structures where you may never see it, but it stabilizes it. So they do all the earthquake testing, fire testing, all of those types of things. The bridge piece means you can potentially, first of all, use a drone to assess damage in, in the bridge and actually repair bridges without building a whole new bridge. It could have huge impact. But the other part about that, we do all that testing, that becomes the law of what the standards are. So that's the part you don't see. And that's the other piece where we can have a great impact. So it's in all these different areas. And and what's important to me is that we have that portfolio. We're influencing legislation by making things better for the future. We're commercializing and we're developing the basic research that in 10 or 20 years may make a difference to our lives or in agriculture or food. You talk about this portfolio, and I think it's one that President Chang, you, President Daniels prior, have really built this portfolio of connections in the industry to, to say, hey, back to your point earlier, will people pay for it? But how do we identify those unique problems to solve these industry partnerships, working together uh, with different organizations, different businesses? How do you see this next chapter of the university, this next chapter of even talent development in this sort of partnering, academic, next chapter world? What's that look like? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I want to say one of the things I think we're proud of, proudest of at the university is our talent. So while I talk about the research, uh, it's our students, it's undergraduates and graduate students. That's what really makes the world go down. And that's the long lasting impact is what those students can do. So I want to make sure that that's part of the discussion. So even though I'm in research, research doesn't happen without people. And it's those students uh, that make a difference. We have to train them to be relevant for today and tomorrow. 
and to be innovative. So all of those things need to go through that whole ecosystem and relationships with industry foster that. They help develop that student who starts thinking about, wow, what are the problems? How can we solve the problems? It's more than that, though. Giving students an opportunity to work in industry allows the industry to assess the student and the student to assess the industry because they have to be a cultural match. And that's different for every student. So it's really important for them to get that practical experience, see what the company's like, see whether that's a fit for them. The company can see whether it's, it's a fit on their side. Now, having said that, We've been doing that in the College of Agriculture for many, many years. Our students have multiple internships, and we got to build that culture across the whole university because it, it really it enriches a student's experience as well as uh, make sure there's relevant graduates. So it has multiple impacts. It, it strikes me. We started out talking about the Morrill Act yeah. you know, 160-ish yeah. years ago. I mean, what you just said is what that law was intended to do. Yes. I mean- by and definition. Exactly. And I always remind people the Land Grant Act was really started, you know, people talk about it gave land in order to start these universities in the areas it was. Prior to that, the only people who went to uh, college were the elite. And what it really did is provide that practical education for the masses. And that is an impact that's immeasurable across the country. And I think Purdue takes that to heart. And one of the things I love about Purdue is we think about that across all areas of campus. It's not just ag. It's not just engineering. It's making an impact. And um, it's really exciting to see what we can do, the students we can bring in from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic statuses, and enable them to make those innovations for the future. Those innovations, that impact, one area that you and I personally have spent quite a bit of time on is national security. And thinking about food security as national security, we can look at all kinds of different war-torn places around the world and see that food is at the center. What are some of those intersections that you're seeing now with a broader view just beyond ag, where this national security, ag, food security all sort of come together? It's really interesting because... When you talk to people in the military, they know food security is national security. And that's a really, really important message. And I don't think our public thinks about it that way sometimes. And so uh, that's really important. But when you look across the university, it's developing tools for clean and safe water. It's developing infrastructure. It's developing different sources of energy and ways you can uh, use energy. All of those things are important. Detecting al- adulteration in food, that's a really important area that many of our engineers are working, different sensors. Those things will make a big difference for national security. And we actually have a program of food and ag resilience now uh, sponsored by Sandia Labs, which is one of the national labs, to really look at how we make sure we have a resilient food supply for the future, because that really is a critical part of national security. It's so critical. And I have one more question, but I have to flag the work that you and the team led, your your prior chapter in College of Agriculture with USAID. And, yeah. and at its core, I mean, by definition at its core, really working with some of those impoverished, war-torn areas to get food yeah. to people who need it. And, and that's where I need to give a shout out to Gabisa Jetta, who was one of the ones who won the President's National Medal of Science last week for his work in Africa in sorghum-resistant 
uh, sorghum that has a resistance to striga, which is a parasitic weed, and continuing that work to look at climate-resilient varieties of sorghum and other things that have kept many people out of uh, starvation. I mean, it's really amazing what he's done. And that's where the President's Medal of Science sh shows the impact, the enormous impact he's had around the world. And he's just one of many of our scientists who really care about global food security and really make a difference on that front. So good. Okay, Karen, last question for you. Uh, lots of innovation happening at Purdue. Uh, what I think is so exciting for those of us on the outside is it's always framed as a leap, the next giant leap, yeah. likely a play from the moonwalk and our yeah. 27 astronauts. Yeah. But we may, maybe we'll come back to that at some yeah. point. But what's the next giant leap? What's ahead for Purdue as it relates to research and innovation? Uh, semiconductors is a really important area. I mean, the nice thing is we, the state... So not just Purdue, won three of the new big initiatives in, uh, related to Chips Plus Science. One is semiconductors with the Silicon Crossroads. Semiconductors, we don't think about them. I didn't until I got into this job. They're in, there's like 2,000 in your vehicle, 2,000 little transistors that make a difference in what you're doing. Every tractor out there has semiconductors. Every combine has them. Everything we do has them. So that's one of the next giant leaps. It's more information on these little tiny chips. So that's one of the areas. One of the areas that I think you and I have been involved yes. is that we hope continues to grow is we just got designated tech hub, the Heartland Bioworks, which we're hoping takes one health approach really to manufacturing into some of those areas. Really excited about that. Right now it's a designation. But the designation, as you know, allows us to apply for 50 to $75 million in funding. Transformational. It's transformational. And it's not just Purdue. It, it's, again, about making that impact on the broader community. The other one that, that came to this area that's really important is uh, Mach H2, which is the hydrogen hub, which is about decarbonization. So really about uh, climate change and, and decarbonization of the climate. Another really interesting area. I can't not mention physical AI. It's an area that I think is really important for the future. And we characterize that as a couple different things. So that's where bytes meets atoms. So it's okay. taking the computational power and doing something physical with it. So what's physical? What we do on the farm with all the sensors. We grow, we call that, that's our initiative. The robots that we're going to be using in the future, I can quote Solymphtech and the work that they're sure. doing, that's all bites meets atoms. So it's the physical world that we, which we're working. We're transportation, we know autonomous is coming. Smart transportation, different forms of transportation. We have a company called Wind Racers who's coming to the US from uh, England. They can, uh, they're what's called middle mile. They're a large, large drone that can move things very far. I thought, well, how does that influence agriculture? When your equipment breaks down and you have this middle mile uh, mm -hmm. wind racer who can come out and give you your parts in minutes it's rather than hours, um, there are some real opportunities. Air taxis, all of that's in our future. It's not too far away. So it makes it really, really exciting to see some of the things we can do across these three new initiatives, as well as physical AI and transportation. And I can't not mention plant sciences and some right. of the great work that's happening there. Uh, the genomes to phenomes work. So that's the genetic information with the, the characteristics of the plant, bringing that 
together so we can develop more resilient uh, plant agriculture as we move forward. We're also doing the same on the animal side and developing more resilient by using that genetic information, developing animals that are more resilient to heat or have certain animal welfare, looking at animals that thrive in different environments and some things like that. So lots of opportunities and it's just really exciting. Uh, we're all looking forward to this next chapter, Karen, and it is clear that Indiana broadly, Purdue University is better because of you. You're brilliant. Thanks for investing time. She's Dr. Karen Plout. She's executive vice president of research at Purdue. Karen, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. It was lots of fun, Mitch. And thank you for tuning into Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. Don't forget, you can always learn more online at agronovasindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovas team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Agronovas Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovasindiana.com. Thank you.